0: From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival.
1: Hey, hey, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We are on the cusp of the kickoff of the 2019 Austin Film Festival, which happens to be one of my favorite film festivals. They also happen to be screening the film of our guests today, Elena Weinberg and Duncan Coe, the makers of the film A Room Full of Nothing. Thank you for joining us today, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, thank you for having us.
2: Tell the audience about A Room Full of Nothing.
0: You want to go since you wrote it?
2: Yeah, I guess as the writer, that's my <laughs> duty. Uh Room Full of Nothing is a film about an artistic couple living in Austin, Texas, which is where we're from originally, who sort of have a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, each of them. And in a, in a fit of self-loathing, they wish that everybody in the world would disappear, and then it becomes a little bit of a be careful what you wish for scenario because they wake up the next day as the last two people on earth. And have to live with themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and have to live with themselves. Right. Yeah. Uh, is where
1: the film gets interesting. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, what struck me about the film was like, you know, I read your guys' logline. I watched the trailer. I was like, oh, that's a fun concept. That's a cute concept. But when watching the film, what really pulled me in was after we were into that concept for a while and we start to just see, like, oh, like, oh this is a character piece about uh-huh. like. This relationship, yeah. and and how they're coping with themselves, um,
0: and how do you make art without an audience?
1: Yeah, exactly, and I just want to kind of dive in and see how did you decide to approach this character piece in this way?
2: Yeah, so I mean, a lot of it comes from my own my own personal stuff that I deal with as an mm-hmm. artist. I you know have gone through fits of like very very dark times where everything is terrible, and uh, when we set out to make the movie. We knew we were going to be making it on a micro budget, um, so that was sort of like the first thing. And we said, "How can we make a movie for really cheap?" Well, if there's only one actor in it, right. well, that's real easy. So that sort of <laughs> informed Less people to pay. That, right. that sort of informed the premise, and so I kind of knew from the beginning I wanted to make a movie about a person who's all alone in the world. Well, how does how does that sort of manifest itself in a story? And through that and conversations with Elena, we kind of landed on well. One person by themselves in a movie not talking is gonna be really tough to sell an audience on because I'm we're not making castaway over here, right? <laughs> right. We don't have the Tom Hanks pool. we don't have a hundred million dollars in the bank. So I begrudgingly agreed to let there be two people. <laughs> well, and to, to toot
0: Duncan's horn a little bit on that, what I think he is the best at in screenwriting is his dialogue. Um, and I was like, if you write a movie with one person in it, like, who is he going to talk to? Like,
2: yeah. you're so
0: good at dialogue. Give him someone to talk to, just one person.
2: So, so yeah. So we, I, I then came up with a, a couple. It's They're the last two people on earth. Um, I'm an artist myself. I have my degrees originally in theater and English writing and rhetoric. Um, I've been an actor and a writer, and uh, Elena also has a degree in acting. And uh, we've done the, the the artist struggle in Austin for a long time. So it was automatically like what our characters were because, you know, you write what you know.
0: Well, I think you, um, when you were writing the story, you were finding those artistic struggles that we've all gone yeah. through as actors and artists and stuff like that. Um, and also pulling in, like, the best and worst parts, truthfully, of our relationship. Duncan and I have been together for 12 years, um, and we started making films together. Like, five years ago? Um, We started started a company together before we got married. So it's been a while. Um, And so we kind of gave each other the permission to create a story about, like, the best and worst parts of our relationship. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, you write what you know, especially when it's your first feature film, which this is what that is for us.
1: Mm -hmm. Was that difficult, uh, writing kind of about the best parts and the worst parts of your relationship? And, you know, you guys co-directed it Mm -hmm. together and uh, you're working twelve hours a day on a set, kind of dissecting uh, artistically your relationship. Is it tough to like go home at the end of the day and and live be, with ourselves? Be, be, a real, yeah. be a real couple. Yeah. Um,
0: I would say the time at home is harder than the time on set. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been working together since we were kids. Basically, we went to the same high school, even though we aren't high school sweethearts. Um, but we did theater in the same realm together when we were kids. We did theater all through through college together. So. When we started making films or short films and our web series together, we had already figured out how to have a professional relationship with each other and not be, like, the weird couple on set who's, like, PDAing and stuff. Right. Um, And so on set, it was not difficult because we can kind of, like, set ourselves in our roles. And um, although we did a lot of, like, the directing prep together before we started shooting because Duncan is also leading – the film as an actor, um, we kind of settled into those roles on set, and it wasn't too tough Um, but I don't know we always fight the most in the editing room (laughs) it's just the two of us so we can
2: (laughs) yeah well and that fight is I think it's brilliant and I'm not gonna cut anything and it's perfect (laughs) just how it is and you can't convince me otherwise so I'm gonna show it to you because you're a co-director but Mm. just know that it's perfect and I don't need your opinion
0: (laughs) right right and then I'm like and then reason and then then she (laughs) goes well
2: we're our movie's supposed to be an hour and a half and And your first cut is two hours so (laughs) something's wrong (laughs) And then I come to reason, and I say, no, I know know you're right. Well, you guys did an excellent job. Thank Thank you. Thank
0: you very much.
2: Um, One of the things I love, I
1: kind of—I did a a little dive back into your previous work and, you know, took Uh a look at your guys' web series and stuff. One of the things that I love uh, about your guys' work, besides the fact that it's really funny, is— I could tell you guys like to keep it in the family. Totally. I recognized a lot of faces oh, yeah, from your web series and from your shorts and saw them pop up in the feature film and that's something I like to do also with my work, but just want to talk to you guys about like what it means to, you know, kind of build that family relationship and that circle of trust and how how that kind of influences your creative process.
2: Yeah, I think I mean it's easy to work with people that you've worked with before because you know mm-hmm. their process, and they know your process, and you all have a you know a set of communication tools and a shared language. That's obvious. But also, I want to lift my friends up with me. So right. as I'm climbing the ladder, I'm hoping that they're climbing right behind me and vice versa. So no person left behind kind of a scenario. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's also when you're working on a micro budget, those people who have stuck with you since the beginning are the people who are going to understand the most. Um, yeah. and they're gonna be the people who the people that you take with you from the very beginning all the way to for us from like the first short film all the way to now. Um the the guy who voiced the um was he the sun or the wind? I can't he remember. Was the, sun. the one that's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, he was in our first short film ever. Yeah. Um and he's been in every project that we've done. And it's those people who like really get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um that you want to take with you the whole time because you all kind of have, like you said, a shared language, and um, those are the kind of people who are always doing us favors and know that they can call on us at any time to do a favor, um, whether it's, like, low-paid or free or whatever. I think you get the best work out of the people who care as much as you, and you rarely find people who care about your project as much as you do, if ever.
2: Totally. But also with our lead actress in the movie, uh, Ivy Meehan, we've known Ivy because— I mean, Elena met her years ago on a commercial shoot or something. And, uh, student film, yeah. A student film. And uh, when we were doing our first web series, she was one of the leads and helped write it. And with this movie, I wrote the character and kind of had her in mind already without telling her. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and we actually cast her in the lead before I was ever cast in it. I wasn't originally planning to cast myself. And it was just...
0: Then too many people were like, wait, Duncan's not playing Barry? (laughs) Like, I thought, okay. And we're like, okay, maybe we should guess Duncan is Barry. Uh,
2: And so we approached her knowing like 90 to 95% sure that she was going to say yes. But she had also, when we approached her for the first time with the script, she had just had twins, two-month-old twins. Oh, wow. (laughs) And we were like, hey, look, we get it. (laughs) But.
0: (laughs) You're probably going to say no, but. (laughs) We're
2: making a movie and there's a part for you. Just read the script, and she was, uh, you know, gung ho about it from the beginning, and said, "I'll, I'll make childcare work out. We're doing it." So and you gotta have yeah. you gotta have those people that'll rally for you.
1: And her performance is is really incredible. Oh, but she's, she's the best part of the movie. So good. <laughs> she is she is unbelievable. So I mean. Good. Uh, towards the end of it, I really wanted to leap into the screen and give her a hug. It's just, oh, talk, I
0: love hearing that.
1: Let's talk about uh, building the character with her. Um, sure. How did you How did you guys work work this work this through?
2: Well, we had had we had had another person cast as the lead opposite her, the role that I ended up taking on. Who she had done some work beforehand with him. Uh, pretty significant character work. And she they, took it
0: on herself. She was like, hey, can I, like, he was based here, actually. Mm. And we just ended up the not being able to travel him out, and it was just a whole big thing or yeah. whatever. But when we were kind of toying with casting him, she took it upon herself to be like, hey, can I, like, Skype him? Is he okay with that? Can we, like, build our characters together? Um, I told this story to someone else recently, but Ivy is so detail-oriented. Um, when I first asked her to do our web series, A-Town, um, because Mallory and I, the other two leads of – the show created it. And then we brought Ivy on. And I was like, hey, do you want to play Whitney? I don't know if you've ever played someone like this before, but I think you'd be really fun. And she was like, yes, I do. And literally like a day later, she sent me the longest email I've ever gotten from someone that was like in-depth things about this character, like what her middle name was, what her favorite color was, like what her favorite flavor of ice cream was, like who her high school boyfriend, like, all, just all of these things that were like, I hope it's okay that I did that, but, like, when I'm fleshing out a character, like, I need to know her whole world. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just, like, really indicative of how Ivy approaches characters. Um, And knowing that she does that, it was great to know that once she said yes, we could really just talk about who Phyllis was as a person outside of the script.
2: Yeah. And before we ever shot anything, and, you know, after we'd asked her if she wanted to be involved... I think I did two more rewrites on the script after that. and
0: Well, I sent Ivy a script that you told me I couldn't send her. Right. <laughs>
2: yeah. I was like, <laughs> in Elena the middle of the night,
0: back. I <laughs> sent it to her and was like, don't tell Duncan I sent you this because he says he wants one more write- rewrite on it before I send it. So act surprised when he sends it to you. And of course, so maybe it was three more.
2: That night that she got it at 2 o'clock in the morning when her— Children were inevitably awake. Like
0: feeding or whatever. Feeding. Yeah. She
2: would feed the kids and then as they were falling back asleep, sit there reading our script. And so like that, I couldn't ask for more dedication from an actor or somebody that I, that I care about than that.
0: And if you ask her, she'll be like, it's what I wanted to do. Like yeah. I couldn't sleep in the middle of the night because I wanted to read this script.
2: And she, so. would give, she would give notes, constructive notes on the script. And so she saw three or four iterations of it before we got to our shooting version. And uh, so she had all of that sort of, like, seeing the evolution of the way that I was writing the character, she was able to take that and inform how she approached it. Um,
0: And she helped write my web series. So knowing that we had the trust with her from being in a writer's room with her already, we could take her notes or her ideas or whatever and take them seriously, I guess. And that's what
1: it all comes back to, like, using people that you know you trust, that you know you love. Yeah. Uh and being able to just like take a leap with it. It 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 uh it really comes across on screen. Cool. Uh and Good that, to that, know. That, <laughs> yeah. No, that that relationship felt felt very genuine and uh, and her character felt like a
2: a real beautiful person that That's I good. wanted to hug I, and for, felt very bad for. <laughs> <laughs> for for myself uh I had spent about 2 years Writing and rewriting the first act of the same screenplay about a dozen times, Mm. as you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had the seeds of the idea for this story for a while. Um, So the character is more or less autobiographical. Um, And then, like I said, we hadn't planned on me being a part of it. But when our other actor didn't work out and I took on the role two or three days before shooting. um, Wow. It was good
0: thing you wrote it. It was yeah. almost yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, was, I mean, uh, we would have had to push shooting. If, we were yeah. Yeah. we
2: were on the phone with with our lawyer like until one o'clock in the morning before we had to like how do we pull do the this? plug on this actor that just we couldn't it just wasn't going to work out. We just couldn't do it. Uh, we
0: love him, but we just him, couldn't but do, just do it.
2: Couldn't yeah. make it happen. And uh, so there was like two days of all right. I guess I guess we're doing this thing. I wrote the script. People already said I should probably do it. We've got two directors, so. You know, you direct the emotional stuff. I'll take care of, like, the technical stuff when I'm not on screen, and we're going to make it happen.
1: Yeah,
0: you and know? and we had a kind of emergency dinner with Ivy after that happened, and I took them out to eat, and I was like, let's just talk about your characters. Let's talk about your relationship with each other. Um, let's give you guys permission to be together on this. Yeah. Um, and we kind of talked that all out over a dinner right before shooting, which was a really nice way to go into production.
1: Yeah, yeah to do it in- intimately, and yeah, it's a scary moment though, right? Now. <laughs> 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 yeah, completely
2: changing the lead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you roll with the punches, man. Yeah,
1: that's what you got to do. Yeah. By thesis film, my lead actress had to bail on the project. Uh, the morning of the first day of shooting. Yeah. Uh, and That's I, rough. <laughs> yeah. I ended up hiring my script supervisor to fill in because she just looked the part. She hadn't acted a day in her life, but she was also kind of like embodied the person. And I was like, take this leap with me. Let's have fun. Let's do it. And if you don't want to do it, I totally understand. Yeah, Sometimes and, you have that
0: gut feeling and yeah, you can just and, do it.
1: Yeah. And it worked out beautifully, and she won like a bunch of awards for her performance. (laughs) But sometimes it just works out, you know, like the scariest moments end up being uh, total blessings. Yeah, you just got to be
2: adaptable. I mean, the directing is just, you know, problem solving Mm -hmm. every little thing that comes across your desk a hundred times a day for. Twenty-four shoot days in a row or whatever it is. And then seventeen. And then the, <laughs> and, then that the far over. <laughs> and then the twelve months of post-production. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: <laughs> talking loyalty. We're talking family. We're talking problem solving with Elena and Duncan. We're gonna be right back more on Film Forward. We're talking about a room full of nothing. This episode of Film Forward is brought to you by the Austin Film Festival. AFF runs from October 24th through the 31st and is hands down one of our favorite film festivals to visit. The week-long event is chock full of amazing panels, discussions, parties, and some of the best films you'll see all year. Members of LADFF will be attending this year's event, and we hope to see you there too. For ticket and badge info, visit austinfilmfestival.com. All right, welcome back to Film Forward, guys. We are talking with Elena Weinberg and Duncan Coe. Their film, A Room Full of Nothing, will be playing at the Austin Film Festival this year. We're very excited for them and for all you guys that are going to be able to check it out. Let's talk about some of these really impressive shots of the city that have no cars (laughs) and no people in there. That was just like, I was watching, I was like, wait a
2: second. How the hell they do this? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad.
0: Lots of good timing. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah it's timing, man. We, uh, Austin, Patience. Austin parties hard Saturday night mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Sunday morning. There's nobody on the streets, man. So it was <laughs> there's a lot of, it was early camping out mornings. for a couple of weekends on Sunday mornings, g- trying to catch like an opportune times on some of the busiest streets
0: we saved those shots for pickups so we didn't bother to put them into yeah yeah. it was was, us and our dp charlie who is a great friend of ours too and was like yeah dude like i'm down to just go out early morning and get these shots later like let's do
2: it together and he uh he went to the university of texas with a photography degree
0: Film journalism, I think. Oh, film journalism or photojournalism. Yeah, whatever Something it was. Like he's
2: got a photography background, um, but he's you know starting to get his credits as a DP, and he was responsible for that stuff. Um, there's one particular shot of one of the busiest highways in Austin.
1: Yeah, that was the one that
2: struck me. I was like, the ones of the streets. I was
1: like, okay. Yeah. I see how they got it. It's still impressive, but that one of the highway, I was just like, holy
2: shit. Do you want to know the magic, or do you want it to remain a mystery? The question is, do you want the audience to know oh, the I magic? I don't care. Yeah, I want to know the magic.
0: I mean, you can but tell. But you can or tell you me.
2: Charlie's opinion of it. Charlie <laughs> won't care. There's an old photograph that you probably learn about in in photography school or whatever it is of a of a long exposure of a French street. And it looks like there's nobody on the street, but it's one of the busiest streets in France. And all you can see is a guy getting his shoes shined because that was the stillest people in that entire, like, what 20-minute exposure, whatever it was, right. early days of photography. Yeah. So he went out on an overpass uh, over I-35 and got a long exposure of the, the highway. S-
0: the same overpass that we showed earlier
2: yeah. on mm-hmm. purpose. So earlier yeah. in, this, in, this, in the movie, you see that busy highway, and then he went and got a long exposure of it. And then I took it, did a little bit of movie magic with that photograph. Mm. Because there's cars going by in that photograph. But, you know, because of the length of the exposure, it looks like the street's empty. And I added some fake birds and a little bit of, (laughs) you know, noise and and camera shake and got the magic shot. (laughs) And it worked beautifully. And it worked beautifully. But we—
0: I see it. I'm like, that's a picture.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully, hopefully, (laughs) nobody— I hope they didn't ruin anything for no. anybody. But no. I, you, we had to figure out how to do. We had to figure out how to how to do it on the cheap mm-hmm. because we were we were basically working with I don't want to say no money, but almost relatively no money. yeah, very very little money. And uh, we told him to come up with some creative solutions for that stuff, and he brought that to the table, and we tried it, and it worked, and we we're like, great. Yeah, That's awesome.
0: That was the one shot that we were like, we have to get that shot because I-35 is just famously, notoriously a parking lot at all times in Austin. It could be 1 o'clock in the morning. It's still a parking lot. And right. so to show that street empty, we knew was like the thing we had to do. We could – Hope for other shots that we ended up getting that helped with that kind of production value and movie magic of like the world's empty or whatever but that was the one that we were like we have to figure it out
2: and Elena and I would have never have come up with that on our own you know without bringing in somebody who was more talented and smarter than us and had more t- more tools in his toolbox it wouldn't have happened so that Charlie is you know, awesome we try to surround ourselves with people who can do the things we can't do. I mean that's what your job is. That's filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Speaking of which and collaborating,
1: I want to talk a little bit about the animation. I like all the different kind of elements and styles that you incorporate into the movie because it kind of, like, also goes with Ivy's character, you know, and her her, her pop art uh, stuff, so I I really thought it was a smart choice, like, incorporating the animation and, like, the black and white. um, Yeah, this little interlude. Yeah, Yeah. those were very fun. Talk to us about working with uh, the animators or how you guys accomplished that. Oh, that was Duncan. Looking at the animators. Oh, yeah, no (laughs) kidding. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I had...
0: Well, Will helped.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. So, the uh, yeah, that's not true. My oldest, oldest brother is uh, a, a fine artist. He got his degree in sequential art, and the there's one animation sequence that looks like oil paintings. Those are actual four oil paintings that he did that I then went in and cut up and sort of added some motion to it in animation and layers. Um, but the rotoscoping stuff, uh, that was... We had, we had shopped around for a couple of rotoscope animators because in Austin, there's quite a few good studios that do that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Minnow
0: Mountain is there. They did Tower, and Tower. they mm. do Linklater stuff. They yeah. did a Scanner oh, Darkly, wow. yeah. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. You know, we're coming from the town of Linklater where right. Awaking Life and Scanner Darkly are like the rotoscope movies, you know? Yeah. And we wanted to—we needed to save money in post-production, so Elena was like, we can pay— you know, a few grand to these animators to do these, what, a minute and a half, I think, is total Total, animation time and that stuff. Or I can get you an $800 Surface, and you can figure it out. And I said, all right, I'm up (laughs) to the challenge. So she, we bought a used Surface Pro, and for, you know, what, six months or so, while I was editing the movie, I was using my spare time to teach myself how to do rotoscope animation, and I made it happen. We originally shot great. We, <laughs> yeah, we, thank we, you. So we we knew that we wanted to do those different sort of like techniques throughout the movie because we did want it to feel a little collagey to go along with Phyllis's sort mm-hmm. of collage art, journey yeah, and collage art. Um, so we knew we wanted to have those different things. Um, so it was very intentional. Yeah, oh, I just didn't know that I was going to be doing that, right <laughs> that one. That part was <laughs> that, really that part was a little improvised. Yeah, they uh, were
0: working on. Um, the i think it just came out an amazon show undone is that what it's called yeah Yeah, they were working on undone at the time and we're like we want to work with you but like what's your time frame because we have to like finish this amazon show and i was like i need it done now i'm sorry (laughs) okay we're gonna figure it out
2: yeah and i i got a lot of hats i just added one to the stack man yeah that was it that's good and it's a good hat to have yeah (laughs) so
1: we uh, we may be talking later maybe you'll train me after this
0: (laughs) well what's funny is Duncan and I got married last month and congrats thank you um, when we made our wedding invitation I was like what if you took our engagement photo and like made us cartoons and then put like film festival laurels around us, and, like, that's our wedding invitation. It's very us. And he was like, you're going to make me draw
2: another <laughs> frame. <laughs> Are you joking? And I did, and it was on our save the date.
0: Yeah. No, it's our, it's our actual invitation. Oh, the invitation. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I see. I don't so care. I got him to do one more frame, but I don't know. I don't know Look, about I just it get the
2: deliverables together, <laughs> and I give them to
1: you. <laughs> Talk to us. You guys both born and raised in Austin, Texas. Yep. Uh, You're now going to be screening your first feature at the Austin Film Festival, Mm -hmm. which for my money is one of the best film festivals in the world. Has it hit you yet emotionally or uh,
2: has it fully impacted you about uh, how cool this is? (laughs)
0: I don't know. Well,
2: when you say something like "I think it's the best film festival in the world," I just go, "Oh God." <laughs> okay, I, hope, I hope we're good I enough. I hope we don't bomb. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. the fact that you got in already
1: says that that it's good because they don't let anybody into that film festival. Yeah.
2: I I mean, as as the lead in the lead character in the movie is sort of a testament. I have just like I've I've struggled with self doubt my entire life, mm-hmm. uh, like crippling self doubt sometimes that leads to some pretty dark places. I don't—I know this about me. I don't take compliments well. It's not that I don't appreciate the compliments. It's just—it's hard to believe in yourself as much as other people do. And that validation comes not a whole lot because the rejection comes a hundred times more. Right.
0: Yeah. So having something like Austin Film Fest, which is our hometown festival, is the coolest thing. I mean, we started this thing because of a crowdfunding rally called Hometown Heroes— where you couldn't enter it unless you were making a movie specifically for your hometown. So to have what is probably going to be our biggest film festival screenings, to be in our hometown means everything.
2: And it's and it's a great way for us to be like, check it. <laughs> we We did it. Uh, give us more money to make another one right yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely well i'm super happy for
1: you guys congrats Thank you. for anybody who's going to be at the Austin Film Festival a room full of nothing will be screening saturday october 26th at 4:15 and it's going to have an additional screening wednesday october 30th at 1:45 tickets badge info is available at austinfilmfestival.com I implore you all to go check it out because it's really a, a special, special film. We are going to come back with one more segment with Elena and Duncan, and that's our favorite segment. Gimme three. This is Film Forward News news for all you cinephiles out there. It appears that the Netflix purchase of the Egyptian theater is following through. Starting in November, they'll be screening Martin Scorsese's The Irishman at the historic theater for a few week run. Naturally, Cinephiles are a little concerned about the future of the few remaining repertory theaters left in Los Angeles, which for the last several years has been run by the nonprofit American Cinematech. Sources close to Netflix and the American Cinematech say the deal will benefit the nonprofit, the theater, and LA's community of classic and indie film lovers. Let's hope that's true. And sadly, the film world lost one of the greats recently when Robert Forrester passed away at the age of 78. He's one of my personal favorites. I encourage everybody to revive his spirit by visiting his work. He's got something for everybody. One of my personal favorites. Check out the film Alligator. And that is your Film Forward News for this week. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Film Forward. We are talking with Elena Weinberg and Duncan Co, co-directors of the film A Room Full of Nothing. They are about to give us three recommendations Films that may have flown under your radar, deep dive movies,
2: and they've planned it out expertly. They've told me so. <laughs> yes, get ready, yes. Get we ready. we thought about this one long and hard. Yes. Do you want to do yours first? Or do you want me to do mine first? You do yours,
0: then I'll do mine, and then you can do our joint one.
2: Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back to a movie that I did not plan this, but I saw it at Austin Film Festival maybe mm. two years ago, three years ago,
0: maybe longer than that.
2: By a New Zealand director, a movie called Chronesthesia. Mm. And it is a sort of supernatural sci-fi romance movie. Uh, And the basic premise is a guy starts getting visions from the future in his dreams. And he wakes up and he starts tracing the message of those visions to strange and unique places. It's very much, I, I also didn't plan this, but it's similar to our movie, is a little Kafka-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it deals with a little bit of the absurd, but it takes that absurd sort of supernatural premise and commits to it. And when I saw it at Austin Film Festival, I was literally sitting in the audience going, damn, an indie movie like this can be made. I can do it. Wow. And then, what, two years later, we've got our movie. Here yeah, we are. Yeah. Wow. So, Chronesthesia.
1: Chronesthesia. Mm-hmm. Do you know if it's available on any streaming platforms right now?
2: I couldn't tell you because (laughs) the only time I ever saw it was at that festival. But I mean, hit it up on IMDb and check it out. That movie deserves it somewhere. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Chronesthesia. Excellent. I'm I'm very intrigued by this movie. Yeah.
0: So when Duncan said he was doing Chronesthesia, I was like, okay, we're doing this theme. I'm going to do an Austin Film Festival
2: movie too. Oh my! Austin's Um, got to love us. I know. Also also unplanned.
0: This, yeah, I mean, this is one of my favorite movies of the last, like, three years. Um, It's a movie that played Austin Film Fest the year that I worked there, so Mm -hmm. it feels really special to me. Um, It's called Meerkat Moonship. Um, It is from a South African director named Hanukkah. I don't know how to say her last name. And uh, it's about a little girl um, who befriends her next-door neighbor who has some stuff going on with him. I won't release what happens to him because it's a thing um and they build a spaceship in their like shared backyard together and it's about like friendship and heartbreak and loss and it's just one of the most beautiful movies i've ever seen um i chose it also because it feels like it could play like the same block as our movie Yeah, i was gonna
1: say thematically it also yeah. sounds a little similar um
0: i was in awe of that movie, when, so I had to watch it when I worked at the festival because I was a film marketing coordinator and I was helping all of the um, filmmakers figure out how to market their films at the festival successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had watched everything before the festival started and I like made it a point to take Duncan to see it in the theater at the festival and I sat in the theater and watched it again and like sobbed my eyes out even though I knew it was coming. It was just When people ask me for recommendations for, like, the one movie I will have never heard of but need to see, that will—I don't know if I'll ever have another recommendation. It's so good.
1: Beautiful. Give us the title one more time.
0: Meerkat Moonship.
1: Meerkat Moonship. Yes. Excellent. Two excellent choices so far. Mm -hmm.
2: And the third, the joint selection. Which one are you going to do? I'm going to do—this one also has some Austin ties, which I didn't plan this, but—
0: This is Okay, this is just a fun one. I know it's one you're doing. 15
2: years ago or so, a comedian out of Austin did something called Wizard People, Dear Reader. Okay. Which isn't exactly a movie, but it's a dub over Harry Potter, the very first <laughs> Harry Potter movie, where you silence the Harry Potter movie, and you press play, and then you also play this track that he's done. And it's sort of like a book on tape, but okay. his own comedic take on what's happening in the movie.
0: But he had never seen Harry Potter or read but it But he oh, wow. did it
2: having never read the books or seen the movies, just guessing what the story was about and narrating it into the microphone. <laughs> and it is one of the most nuanced, hilarious things that I've ever seen. And I don't know. Good luck finding it. I think
0: it. it's on YouTube. I you, think you can watch like in parts on YouTube you, now. Because there's, there's he got a cease and desist from Warner Brothers and I'm couldn't sure, do anymore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> There's places that you can probably find it. Don't do anything illegal. Um, but You can do stuff a little. <laughs> Come sure. on. It's one of I'll those things where stuff the stuff best way to do it is to get six of Find your best it. friends in a room one night, throw it on like you're watching uh, or listening to Dark of the Moon while watching um, uh, Wizard of Oz. Right, or, yeah. You know, but it's it's Harry Potter and a comedian. Uh, Excellent. And he got some like New York Times buzz when it first came out. It oh, was wow. so funny. And uh, yeah, I think he's, so he's got another cartoon now called The Professor Brothers. Um,
0: His name's Brad Neely. Brad Neely
2: yeah. Austin comedian. Check it out. Very cool. Not thematic like
0: a to A Room of Nothing at all, like but the other two s- a little bit, but it's so funny. <laughs> I think that
2: cinemaphiles <laughs> will enjoy it for...
0: Cinemaphiles?
2: Cinemaphiles? Cinemaphiles.
0: Cinemaphiles. that's who yeah. we are now. Uh,
2: we'll enjoy it. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm going to check it out. Sony is a huge Harry Potter fan, yes. so I will. Good, great. I will, uh, uh, so is Elena. Yes. Yeah. It, if
0: you've watched... It parts makes, of our <laughs> web series. You will see that. Yeah.
2: It makes fun of Harry Potter in the most endearing ways. Yeah. Excellent. Uh
1: well, Elena and Duncan, excellent. Give me three choices. Um, excellent film. Thank Once you. again, congrats. I'm very happy for both of you. Uh happy to have met you now. Hope we can uh, be let's friends hang forever. Yeah. BFFs. Well let's in Austin and then if you're LA based now, we'll yeah. hang here. We'll go see some flicks. That's um, right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time on Film Forward. Yeah, see y'all soon.